Welcome back for another episode and today's episode is a great one and it is groundbreaking. We have our very first Olympian. Well, our very first person that has been selected to go to the 2024 Paris Olympic Games. Today, I caught up with the sport climber, Campbell Harrison, who has been selected for his first Olympic Games this year in Paris. Have a great chat with Campbell about sport climbing, which is definitely an up and coming and exciting sport. His journey as an openly out athlete and also why potentially we aren't seeing athletes come out from those larger, more traditional sports. I can't wait for you to listen to this episode. As always, and unapologetically, I am still your host, Mr. Gay Pride Australia 2022, and the third gayest person in the world last year, Dion Alexander, and you're listening to Our Pride by Mr. Gay Pride Australia. Welcome back, everybody. Today, I am in the absolute presence of royalty. I have Campbell Harrison. Campbell, welcome to Our Pride by Mr. Gay Pride Australia. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Uh, we are very excited to have you. Uh, as I said, uh, just off air or before we hit record before, you're our first athlete that's been uh, selected to go to the Olympics, uh, Paris Olympics 2024, later this year. Congratulations on that, first of all. Thank you. Can you tell me uh, a little bit more about what sport you will be uh, participating in um, and, yeah, how you how you got into the sport as well? Because I think this is a uh, not unusual one, but uh, not a sport that maybe a lot of people have, have heard about before um, and it's quite also new to the Olympics. Yeah, yeah. So I'll be competing in sport climbing. Um, we uh, had our first um, Olympic appearance in Tokyo at the last Olympics. Um, so this will be the, the second time that climbing's ever been featured in the games. And it'll be uh, my first Olympics as well, which is really exciting. Um, there are basically sport climbing has three different disciplines. For Tokyo, we got one set of medals. So they had to combine all three into one, which was a little bit strange because you've got speed climbing, which is like a race and is quite different to lead and boulder, which are the disciplines that I do. And so um, they're sort of more the like technical um, based disciplines, kind of more traditional climbing, I guess, um, difficulty based. And so, yeah, I'll be competing in a combined uh, variant of, of those disciplines. Um, I started climbing when I was about eight years old. Um, I was like, you know, like a typical kid with too much energy. I loved climbing all over things. Um, I loved playing games like like Tomb Raider and stuff. I was a big Lara Croft fan. So I think that was what maybe inspired me to get into climbing. So I just asked my dad if it was something that we could try. Um, and I, I fell in love with it pretty instantly. It was definitely like quite different to what I expected. Um, but the, I guess the more I delved into climbing, the more I loved it. And so, yeah, and here we are now. It's become a, an Olympic sport and I'm going to be heading there. And that whole aspect of it is a little bit crazy. I can uh, can definitely imagine. Uh, sort of what was going through your head when you were announced that you were going to go, like going to be going to the Olympics and representing Australia at the Olympic level? Yeah, well, I guess I guess it first hit me that it was going to be happening at the at the qualification event itself. Um, and yeah, it was a, a really, really big lead up into that one. I think, you know, I, I tried to qualify for Tokyo and didn't quite make it. And so the, you know, the Olympic cycle is a whole four years. So you've got you know, to wait all that time again before you get the next chance. And 
it's a really uh you know it's a good amount of time for the pressure to really build um <laughs> for me and for my and for my loved ones and everyone else so you know when that event came around it was super super intense um and probably one of the like most you know emotionally and mentally taxing competitions or things i've ever done and so yeah qualifying was a, a huge huge relief but also um a, a big moment of pride and um yeah just a completely surreal feeling like it's it's really not very often that you just like sit on the floor and cry in front of like hundreds of strangers and that's exactly what I did when I when I realized I'd qualified so yeah it was uh yeah it's a really crazy one that sounds very emotional uh was part of like the reason potentially you didn't qualify for Tokyo that speed climbing aspect of it or was it was it something different there were lots of factors. I think I didn't actually get to, it's like a whole big story, but I didn't actually get to finish the qualification event for Tokyo. Um, it was happening right around the the COVID pandemic. And yep. um, we actually uh, went into like a state-by-state -state lockdown on the day of finals for that event. Um, so I had like a bunch of family things that had been going on prior to this and um in the end, we yeah, we basically had to had to bail on the comp and go home at risk of getting stranded. And it was very like quick and heartbreaking decision. So that also played a lot into kind of that like sense of pressure or real desire to make up for it this time, because last time it kind of felt like unfinished business. Yep. Um, whereas this time, you know, I was first and foremost, whether I took the spot or not, I was just glad that I had the opportunity to do it again and to give it everything and cross the finish line. Um, and yeah, fortunately it worked out, uh, for the best in the end. Well, that's awesome. And it sounds like, you know, from them adding medal categories for Paris, mm. um, that, you know, sport climbing is going to be a growing part of the Olympics. Um, so that's obviously a great opportunity for, for you in coming years as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It was, it was definitely, I forgot the second part of your question, which was the, like the speed climbing itself and yeah. yeah. Speed and I never really uh never really meshed completely. I I really enjoy like when I would do speed comps, like the I that the aspect of racing is really fun. But I think one thing about the sport that really grabs me is in lead and boulder, it's like it's always changing. Every time you step up to the wall in a competition environment, it's a new route or a new boulder yep. that you've never tried or seen before. Whereas speed is a standardized route. It's exactly the same wherever you go. And so training that is in so many ways like so opposite to but, yep. what inspires me about climbing itself so I think I have a lot of respect for it I think it's such a cool sport to watch um but it yeah it feels very different to what I love about climbing and so it was really nice to have them separated and I actually really enjoy this combined format as well so even though it's like two disciplines come together um I still think it's quite a lot of fun but it looks absolutely fun as well. I mean, I was watching some of the telecast in Tokyo and just watching people like absolutely <laughs> go hammer and tog up a wall. Um, yeah. That was captivating. And like watching obviously all your videos on Instagram of you training and practicing as well. Uh, it is quite captivating. And, you know, I can see why it's definitely made it into uh, the Olympics, um, not only from a skill aspect, but also from that, you know, viewability uh, aspect of yeah, having the, sure. the audience um, is definitely something that I think that, you know, sport climbing has got for it. Um, and so, yeah, I think that, you know, this is probably not going to be the only opportunity you get, which I think will be, uh, will be very, very good for you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's really exciting. Like you said, I think it's a fantastic spectator sport. Um, it's cool also that it is 
it's a sport that you can you can watch it on TV, you know, at the Olympic Games, and then you can just go down to your local gym and give it a go. And yep. you know, you'll be probably climbing in one of the same gyms that I would do my training in. Like it's really connected and and accessible in a lot of ways. Um, I think so. Yeah, I hope people will will see the games in Tokyo and you know maybe be inspired to to give it a try. Yeah, no. I, I also I know there's an outdoor uh, gym and playground uh, close mm. to where I live, and there's a, a climbing wall there as well. So I think it's definitely one of those things that you know some of these sports are very very cost prohibitive to get into. So um, when you've got things like that are, that are free, obviously they're not Olympic grade level, but um, the accessibility to it is you know at that low grassroots level. I think yeah, is something sure. that's got definitely. for it as well. Um, I just wanted to sort of segue a little bit now and um, talk to more about you as a, a person, um, your sexuality, um, you know, from anyone that has a quick flick through your Instagram can obviously uh, tell that you're an openly out athlete, um, which is absolutely fantastic. Um, I just wanted to find out more about sort of your journey, um, mm. being an out athlete, and you know, potentially before you came out as an ad athlete as well, have you always been open about your sexuality? Uh, why you have been sport climbing? Um, no, I guess because I've I've been involved in sport climbing for a long time. Obviously, I was eight when I started, so I was still just sort of coming to terms with the fact that I was a little bit different. And then yep. I think when I was like maybe about eleven, that sort of blossomed into the realization that I was gay and. Um, and yeah, initially, I think a lot of people can relate to this, that I, I felt like it was this, you know, secret that I had to take to my grave, you know? Yep. Um, and yeah, and then coming out was a relatively slow process. But funny enough, my climbing community or my national team uh, were one of the first groups of people that I ever told that I was gay. Um, I think at the time I had like one or two friends that knew maybe, but this was like the first group of people and so climbing became this little, like, I don't know, it, it was just this place away from home where I could be, I felt comfortable exploring the idea of being open about my sexuality because at the end of the competition, I went home and it was still more or less a secret at that point. So, you know, I, I had this place away from home where it could be like, yeah, I kind of got used to the idea of being out yep. and that made coming out back home um a lot more comfortable and I was able to sort of come out within school which was a similar sort of sense of you know I go to school I people know I'm gay at school but then I come home and I have a little break from being out and then yeah was able to kind of come out to my family and then and then it really just became something that you know I never sought out to like broadcast it about myself but I'm very very um intent about never keeping it a secret Yep. Um, and just having it be something that is a part of me. I don't feel a responsibility to like let people know or to come out of the closet again anymore. Um, it's just who I am and I just don't shy away from it. Yeah, no, uh, fabulous. And I think that definitely comes through on the way that you present um, and definitely from the things that I, you know, I picked up from social media and sort of the engagements that you you have. It's not like it's, hey, um, you know, you're feeling the need to tell everyone, you're just living a genuine and authentic self um, from, you know, from an outsider's perspective. Um, I always love sport camaraderie and sort of teammates and that sort of thing. And, you know, the spaces that I've been delving in um, with the AFL, uh, there's a lot of camaraderie in the playing groups there, particularly about our athletes. Uh, mm -hmm. So it's quite well documented that, yes, they're 
is known to be our athletes in the AFL. Um, just none of them are publicly out. How much of a safe space do you think teammates in sport create for you? And do you think that there's a a reason why that seems to happen? Because it seems like teammates are really, really good about it um, Mm -hmm. and they're really supportive, but then potentially the wider community is not as supportive as sort of those teammates are. Yeah, I I don't know what it is about that. I think you go through a lot with your teammates, you know, um, whether it's an individual sport like mine or a, a strictly team sport like IFL, I think you share, you just inherently share a lot of vulnerability with one another. You know, it's quite common that your teammates will see you, like see you cry, see you bleed, you know, see you at your like weakest moments or your lowest moments, I guess. And so it kind of, you know, in a, a with a good culture, it can it can really yeah foster that sense of connectedness and make a and make it like a safe space to be yourself. Um, and I think you know, um, changing uh, public perspectives as well, making you know sporting teams a more comfortable place to be an out athlete. I think the yeah the 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 crux of it really is when it becomes like a public knowledge, and then mm. people you don't know who don't have those shared experiences with you maybe decide to weigh in on how they see you present yourself and that's when it really starts to become complex but um yeah yeah I don't know I feel like yeah it just felt like my my teammates were going through so many of the same things that I was going through in terms of like the pressure of sport and it just seemed to you know make sense that that was something that I could share with them yeah in like you've mentioned uh people making comments those external yeah. people making comments and you know I think sometimes they get too much weight because they really a lot of the time have nothing to do with their lives. Don't know who we are and have never spent any, any face-to-face time with us. Have you mm-hmm. experienced anyone that's, you know, from either within the wider sport climbing community uh, and the organization or just the general public that's sort of had some comments or of a negative attitudes towards you? Oh yeah, a million percent. I feel like if I had a dollar every time, maybe I would uh have to do wouldn't have to do as much fundraising. But um, yeah, I think especially especially when anything I do kind of makes it outside of my bubble. I think like yep. Melbourne, especially in the climbing community in Australia, is quite is fairly open and progressive. Um, but I think you know, like a few years ago, I wrote a piece about being, which I think a lot of public outlets would see as my like coming out even though I had been out for a long time but I wrote an article for this magazine based in the states and that got published and the comment section for that was just trash like a lot of uh yeah people a lot of like really I don't know like specific assumptions that people would make about me based on like what I'd written in this article and it was just it just didn't stop coming um and I think that's probably like the most um forward example of like of it that I've experienced but yeah I think if if I say something that people don't agree with the my my queerness or my sexuality is kind of the first thing that they'll choose to pick apart because yeah. I guess it sticks out as different um so yeah sometimes you do get those stark reminders that like oh not everybody is progressive or maybe as progressive as they think they are you know based on the things they say but the but like my in-person experiences and the people I surround myself with have, have always been super welcoming and positive. And there's an amazing, like really amazing queer community within the climbing space. And yeah, I'm awesome. always so grateful for them. Uh, awesome. How do you, does like those comments or those negative comments, does it affect your performance at all? 
um, or how do you deal with those sorts of situations? Like particularly, you, know, you release an article um, and we sort of wear our hearts on our sleeves when we write those sort of things. There's a lot of us, uh, there's a lot of our own journey that's in there and you're sharing it and you're becoming quite vulnerable with the, you know, the reader or the viewer. Um, how do you deal with those negative comments? Yeah, I, I can't say it's ever really affected my performance because I guess it's never really commentary on my performance like, or, or on my capacity as an athlete. Yep. Um, I've been able to keep them separate in that sense. Um, but that's not to say that like I don't take it to heart necessarily. I don't know. I feel but I feel pretty confident about who I am as, as far as being a gay man. And I think um, when I see those trashy sorts of comments, I, I guess I am more concerned about the other people who might be reading those comments and how yep. they might feel about it. And so I feel like I see my, my role in the whole thing as, you know, it's, it's important that I'm able to stand up to it. Um, and that people know that it's, it's not okay. And yep. a lot of the things they're saying, like maybe just aren't true. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. Some, sometimes it can be frustrating, but I try not to let it get to me to an emotional extent. So, yeah. No, cool. Uh, and I just want to pick up on something you've mentioned there, which actually comes up quite a bit um, when I'm having these conversations, particularly with our athletes. You know, I think the goal is with everyone just to live their own authentic life. Mm -hmm. um, and no one really goes into it thinking that they're going to have to be a role model for our community or a, a spokesperson for our community. But even then sort of even just telling your own um, it, you know, telling your own lived experience and writing an article in the US. Um, you know, you've mentioned there that you feel like you're then responsible for, you know, other people that may be uh, more vulnerable reading those comments and, and having to sort of stick up to people that have negative views um, of mm -hmm. our you know, LGBTQI plus community. Do you feel that, you know, there's um, this just inherited role model that you need to take on um, being sort of, you know, that high profile ath out athlete now? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think as an athlete and an athlete with like Olympic aspirations, I think already um, people expect you to become a role model, which yep. in a lot of ways is something I think a lot of us are happy to take on, but then there's a whole other aspect of that when you, you come out as a queer athlete, whether you kind of mean to come out as a queer athlete or like me, you kind of just start posting pictures of you and your partner and people put two and two together, together. and then all of a sudden you you are this like queer role model um and it's tricky and I can definitely see you know I have uh like friends in athletic spaces who are queer but they're not out publicly um because you know they they don't feel ready to be able to take on that sort of role model responsibility or to be able to represent the queer community in sport or maybe they have other facets of their personality that they're already advocating for or facets of their identity sorry that they're already advocating for um you know so it's definitely not for everybody um and you know sometimes there is some there are times when you're just like oh this is this is a lot or you're like oh I want to talk about other parts of me you know yep. the the sporting parts or the my hobbies and interests and whatever but um but in the same vein you know I always I always wished when I was younger that I had more, that I would have more queer role models, especially in sport and especially in climbing that I could look up to. And I didn't really have that, but 
I like to think that now I could be that for another young queer person, you know, so they don't have to long for a role model. They can, they can see someone, you know, uh, working hard within their sport, being successful and also being openly queer and, you know, not shying away from that. And then maybe they don't, they feel like they don't have to shy away from it either. Yeah, for sure. Um, do you feel like that coming out and being open um, and being your authentic self has helped you in your performance and helped you with sport climbing? Yeah, I think so. I think, I think any time that you deal with like pressure and adversity and come out the other side of it better, um, I think that's going to like benefit your life in a multitude of ways. And I think it's particularly applicable to sport. You know, you make a lot of sacrifices and it is very vulnerable sometimes, you know, you put yourself, you really put yourself out there um, and try to meet these quite high expectations. And so, you know, I think it's all transferable skills to being in a competition mindset and having mm. to perform on the spot. You know, it, it's, I liken it to anything. It's like, you know, going through school and going through exams, like those are also transferable uh, skills onto the sporting field. And, you know, I, yeah, I think it all comes together. And I think just as a, as an out queer person, I have so much less baggage to carry around than I did when I was in the closet and That's keeping it, yeah. it a secret. And it just, you know, yeah, the, the, the freer you can be in your life as a whole, like the easier it's going to be to commit yourself to sport. And that's what I found. No, awesome. Awesome. Um, in regards to sort of, uh, sport climbing and obviously it's recency, in the, like as an uh, Olympic sport and inclusion in the Olympics, uh, do you think potentially that's helped with attitudes um, within the sport? Um, you know, when you compare it to some of these sports that have been in the Olympics forever and have been mm. very high profile sports for a very long time, do you think like having a, a newer sport that's come in has helped with some of these attitudes and obviously the positive attitudes that you've experienced? Yeah, well, yeah, I think... Climbing, yeah, climbing being a young sport has given us a really great platform to like instill these values in our sporting community from grassroots. You know, yeah. I think um, climbing gyms in particular are really, really forward with their LGBTQIA plus inclusion um, and such. And so, yeah, I think, I think, yeah, we, we have this opportunity to build inclusive policies from the ground up, whereas a lot of these sports have these kind of entrenched cultures or even sometimes, you know, very clearly written policies within mm. the sport that, you know, it's not the safest place for, for queer people to participate. Um, so, yeah, by virtue of that, climbing is is quite a nice, a nice sport to be a, a queer athlete within, even if it's not, you know, like inherently a very queer sport. But, um, yeah, and I'd like to think that, you know, by bringing sports like ours into front and center, yeah, we can pave the way maybe for other sports to have also more inclusive attitudes towards diversity. Um, but, you know, it, it, we'll, we'll sort of see how things progress. I think lots of aspects of sport, including our own, have um, a long way to go still. So, but I'd, I'd like to think, you know, we can be be a part of that growth. Yeah, and I, I think you're seeing a lot more of the smaller sports, if you, you like, or the um, sports that maybe haven't been in the Olympics as long or haven't been sort of that higher profile, really, you know, move in this space in leaps and bounds. And there's a, a, a lot of good work that's being done by sporting organisations of sports that are maybe considered smaller or don't have the same sort of participation mm -hmm. rates as the, the larger sports. 
Uh, and I just think it's a t like it's going to be a, a domino effect. Um, you know, it'd be nice for it to come from the bigger sports, and then I think that would definitely flood down very quickly. Um, but I think we're just seeing that this progress from smallest to me, you know, medium-sized sports that are, are making really good progress to then, you know, sort of lead the way um, for these for these bigger sports and probably change attitudes, particularly at like community level, um, mm -hmm. for them to then flow onto the the bigger sports. So I think it's only just a matter of time. Yeah, for sure. Um, just going back to a comment before, um, you know, taking on that role model status, and you mentioned you know, there was sort of the people that weren't really ready to take on that role model and, that, and hence they weren't out. Um, do you think that stops a lot of athletes from actually coming out, that there's sort of this media spotlight and attention on them being then out rather than them being good at their sport and then them feeling like potentially they're not equipped to have a voice and represent the whole community? Yeah, yeah, 100%. I think, um, yeah, I think it's hard to, like, attribute that label to yourself so forwardly. Um, yeah, and like I said before, you know, sometimes you sometimes you come into, into, like, an interview or a podcast like this to talk about, like, who you are as an athlete, and, um, and sometimes it can overshadow that. Obviously, this is very different because it's like, you know, that's what the podcast is about. It's what we're here to talk about. But, you know, sometimes it, yeah, it comes out of nowhere and you really have to, like you're always on, always on as like representing the queer community. And um, I think sometimes, you know, like I, like I said, I don't, I don't really actively push on people that like, I'm a gay athlete and you should watch me because I'm gay. It's like, it's just a part of who I am. And I will just post pictures of my partner and me or, you know, share things that I'm passionate about. But because the media will grab onto the queer aspect, then yep. people attribute that to you and think that you're trying to like maybe push some kind of agenda or something or that you're like uh piggybacking on you know uh queer issues like build your profile or whatever yeah um, but yeah but I think that gets attributed onto you whether you like it or not or whether it's something you're actually engaging in so yeah it's I, I can totally empathize with people who choose not to out themselves I, I wish more people would because you know it's it is quite empowering to see athletes in sport especially athletes who are in their careers you see a lot of athletes come out post sporting careers yes. which is great um but yeah it would be really nice to see yeah more queer athletes within the sport and also like i guess see the culture get to a point where people don't feel like they have to keep their identities kind of a little bit secret while they're also participating in sport you know those two things can coexist yes yes and i think you know we're starting to get more and more people uh, and athletes that are coming out um, in the middle and near the tops of their career, um, which is really a, a positive side, mm -hmm. maybe not always in the, the big sports for the moment. Um, but I think that, yeah, there's definitely, and yourself being one of them, there's definitely some leaders in this space of, of people that are just growing up and being themselves and that means that they're an openly out athlete um, and then they're coming through the ranks and they're um, just showing the rest of us that you know the two things can coexist. You can be a good athlete and you can be true to, to yourself um, and you can do well. And in fact, most of the time what we're finding is when someone is out, they are actually performing better because oh, yeah. they don't have 
this whole facade around them and they're not worried about um, you know who might know what and yeah, if something yeah. gets leaked. It's so crazy how we spend yeah you look back on your time in the closet you spend so much of it thinking that coming out would be this horrific secret and if everyone knew it about you like it would really change things for the worst but then for a lot of people it's not the same for everybody but for a lot of us you know it, it's so freeing and you really mm. are able to live to it your fullest in a new capacity um post coming out so yeah it, it, you know whatever I can do to foster a culture that will allow people to experience that, that freedom, that liberation of coming out or just, you know, being open is, uh, yeah, really important to me. Awesome. Um, on that then, is there any advice that you would give to an athlete that's currently in the closet uh, if they're debating whether they should be open about their sexuality? I mean, obviously it's different for everybody. You know, it's not always safe for every single person, but I think, maybe just entertaining the idea of it not being a secret like you know um that, that you could maybe just if you were gonna post a picture of in the same way you might post a picture of you and your friend getting brunch if you're going to brunch with your partner posting a picture to instagram that sort of thing you know people don't you don't owe it to the world to like inform them or announce to the world that you are a certain way but yeah just just maybe trying to yeah have it not be a secret or a, or going into conversations with the with the mindset that you you're kind of assuming that they already know um yeah. and then it really is it's up to them to ask the question if they want to but like, yeah it's not your responsibility to like tiptoe around their assumptions of you um yes yeah, so i don't I, yeah it doesn't have to be some kind of like grand announcement or some big coming out party or whatever it can just be you being like okay i i'm it i don't like this being a secret it hurts to keep it so close to me so I'm just gonna you know go about my day go about my life as if everybody already knows and then and you know they'll come to their own conclusions I think that's quite empowering at least it was for me oh no and I think that's um some really good advice and you know the, I think that you hit the nail on the head there it's going to be a different experience for everyone um and you know some people are potentially not in a, a safe space to do it and then others um will have found their tribe and, and a lot of the time within sport as I'm seeing, there's going to be teammates or, you know, close competitors. You've got a really good bond and friendship with. They're actually creating a really good support network yeah. for you, um, which is, yeah. which is really reassuring. And, you know, my experience is that for like, for every person who's going to like message you on Instagram and tell you to shut up and like, stop making such a big deal about it. There's going to be a hundred, a thousand messages, you know, of people saying that you've, that they really you know um that they really connect with with what you you know put out or that you've encouraged them or inspired them to be more open in themselves so you know yeah there are going to be people who are going to speak out against you or, or say things to you that might not feel so good but then there's going to be so many more who who really um you know make you feel justified yep. in, in, in being out and proud have you been surprised by some of those comments of support? Um, and I was fortunate enough to speak at quarter time at the Pride game a couple of years ago now uh, between the Sydney Swans and St Kilda and sort of posted that video of me you know, being interviewed on the boundary line in front of 40,000 mm -hmm. at the SCG. And someone was like, I never thought I could go to a football game, but you know, this has just shown me that 
there is a safe space and I, I will be yeah. able to go. And I never thought that would be the case. And mm. I think that comment to me really like took me a, took me aback. I wasn't sort of expecting what I was doing to have that much of a significant impact on yeah. someone. Um, so if you had like a similar experience or been sort of, I suppose, shocked that, you know, maybe even it's just posting a, a photo with your partner, uh, you know, at a climbing event celebrating and then all of a sudden someone's turned around and been like, oh my God, this is absolutely amazing. And it, yeah. it sort of shocked you. Yeah. I mean, I think from the beginning, it's, you know, shocked me to a degree. Like I think just, especially, you know, um, after qualifying for the Olympics, like the sheer volume of messages from everybody, of course, but like specifically from the queer community, like the uh, the amount of people who who sent me messages and um, yeah, echoed those sentiments. You know, maybe they feel like sport in general is just not a safe space for queer people. Yeah. Um, and then they see someone engaging in sport to that sort of degree, and they think, okay, well, maybe maybe this sport is safe, and they step out of their comfort zone and give that one a go. Um, yeah, I can't think of like any one in in particular, but yeah, just the sheer volume of people who are who will reach out and give me words of encouragement. Because in the same vein as you know, other people needing that encouragement and inspiration, sometimes I need it too. Sometimes yeah. you know, there are of course times where I'm like, oh, do I want to post this or is this like too gay? You know, and then I'm just like, ah, oh, screw it. You know, there's these people who mess with me, being like, yeah, I love that this is what you said, and it made me feel better about posting it myself or whatever it might be, or just living it themselves. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, you mentioned something before, which I think surprises a lot of people. Um, doesn't surprise me, but I, I still, you know, speaking of, you know, comments that uh, maybe come as a, a shock, um, fundraising you mentioned before. Mm -hmm. uh, now, I think a lot of people, particularly Australians, have the uh, belief that when you go to the Olympics, the government fits the bill for you and um, you get a free ride. Now, we obviously know that's not the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Particularly for, you know, you're an Olympic sport that's in its second Olympics. So, I mean, the funding structures are, are just not there um, mm. from, you know, ASC and an AIS perspective. How does that feel, number one? And number two, like, how much have you actually got to physically raise um to get over to something like the uh, the olympics yeah yeah it's um yeah it's interesting you you do you get you get a lot of people who think that you make as an athlete you make absolutely nothing and then you get away like so many people who think that because you've qualified for the olympics all of a sudden people are just like handing you millions of dollars um and yeah it's absolutely not the case like i you know I'm in a space now where I'm able to get a little bit of support and it's not enough to fit the bill for everything, but you know, it's, it's growing, especially since that Olympic qualification, but you know, sport is, it's this gig where you have to give yourself to it full time. Like you have to be calling it your job and treating it as if it's your main job when it's giving you absolutely nothing <laughs> and you're spending thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. And I like, I've often like I sometimes I'm a bit blind with my spending. I just try to be as thrifty as possible and like hope it lasts. And I've definitely come home from World Cup seasons with like a hundred, two hundred dollars to my name. 
and being like, okay, I need work right now. Or like, this is not happening. <laughs> Asking um, someone at the airport for a cafe job so you oh, can get some money to afford yeah, a taxi yeah. home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, um, yeah, it, it can be, yeah, it can be really tough sometimes. And you definitely do have to make a lot of sacrifices and you see your friends like buying themselves fun things like a new phone or a laptop or whatever it might be and uh, yeah you're just like oh I've, I couldn't even dream of replacing my laptop I think I replaced my laptop a couple of years ago and it was like spending that much money on one thing that wasn't climbing I think I never even dreamed of doing that before so yeah it can be it can be tough like the the Olympics themselves are funded you know you're, you're playing to the games your accommodation during your event and then your plane ride home that's covered but like I said you know, you don't just turn up to the Olympics and compete. You have to be training like full time just to, you know, the, my journey to qualifying was like eight years or sort of, you know, a long, long period of time just to get to qualifying. And that's all, you know, full time. It's your main focus every single day. And then, yeah, you qualify and the support goes up, but you still have to be giving yourself a hundred percent to the sport. And there's an entire World Cup season and all this training and everything that goes into being ready for the games themselves. So no matter how you, you bring it, it feels like you bring in this money, but then you just throw it all and back it, at the yeah. sport again. Yeah, I, I think it's obviously one of those common misconceptions and there's a lot that obviously goes on behind the scenes, um, like training yeah. sessions and, and that sort of stuff. And just those sort of hidden costs that people don't understand um, as well. Um, and yeah, you just hear a lot. You know, things that not necessarily break my heart, but, uh, you know, things that I feel for when I'm hearing athletes and particularly like Australian level athletes then having a job to support, mm. you know, their Australian ambitions and their Australian yeah. representative ambitions. I think, um, yeah, just sometimes I, I wish it was all a even playing field for, for all of you. Cause I know that there's some you know, other sports that are, are quite well-funded um, mm -hmm. and then and some athletes that are quite well-funded and then there's obviously some that uh, are not as funded as well. Yeah, for sure. It's like, you know, it's obviously there are worse lots in life to have than like, oh, I'm an athlete, I'm not getting paid enough. Like, you know, first world problems to a, to a degree. <laughs> but at the same time, like, yeah, I feel like it kind of compounds on itself. Like you need you need money, you need funding to get results, but you need results to get funding. Yep. And so once people who have the results are able to then just accrue more and more funding which accrues better and better results and it's it's quite hard to like that initial break in to get yep. that funding to be able to you know work 30 hours a week instead of 40 or um you know go to the physio it's even just things like that for the longest time you know you'd have like an injury or something and people be like oh you should go to a physio it's like i can't afford to go to a physio if i go to the physio then i, I probably you know maybe i can't afford to do this world cup or all those things so yeah it can be it can be it's not the worst, you know, so it's a, it's still an exciting life to live, but it's, uh, yeah, it can be tricky sometimes. A hundred percent. Um, the Midsummer Festival in Melbourne, um, you know, I saw that you were quite active during the, the festival. What did you get up to during the, the Midsummer Festival and, and how do you find the Midsummer Festival in Melbourne? Yeah, it was fun. It was my first time actually really, uh, engaging in the festival, which was cool. I think, I always kind of just caught up in my get caught up in my training and miss it until it's already happened. Um, but yeah, my uh, proud to play, which I'm an ambassador for, invited me to come on down and like say a few words and get involved uh, judging like a a dance off competition, which I'm absolutely not qualified for <laughs> in any capacity. But that was fun. 
Um, and yeah, it was really nice to just walk around and see what was going on and um, listen to some artists play live and that sort of thing. And yeah, it was cool. It was cool. And just, uh, yes, kind of being more aware of, of everything that's going on within the Midsummer Festival has been fun. No, great. Is that something that you would be looking to do more of and those public appearances? I mean, I'd, I'd also like to just, I mean, I've, I've, I've never really been to pride, you know, just like party and have a good time. Yep. And, you know, I love to, I love to like dance and, you know, have fun with my friends and that sort of thing. So yeah, it would be nice to get more involved in that sort of stuff. I think going and doing it as like a, you know, having like speaking events and obligations when you're there can be a little bit different. Um, but yeah, it was, it was fun. And I definitely like to, to get more involved in the future for sure. Oh, fabulous. Is there anything else that you want to say to listeners at all? I mean, you know, if you're interested in learning more about me or more about the sport, you can um, you can find me on Instagram by looking up my name. Um, I do have a crowdfund on my Instagram bio where, you know, if, if people want to support what I'm doing, um, the, the link is there and any small amount is really, really appreciated. Um, but yeah, even just chucking me a follow or a like or sending me a message um yeah it's it's always nice to engage with people and um yeah so yeah feel free to head on over to instagram and um if you want to follow along with what i'm up to awesome we'll uh, chuck all of those links in the show notes as well um so yeah if you, you do want to follow campbell's journey i know i'm in your broadcast channel on instagram as oh, well awesome. so Thank i'm following you following that little journey to the, yeah, the Olympics. Um, there's a lot of croissant emojis that happen <laughs> yes. in that broadcast channel as well. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll chuck all those links uh, in the show notes so you can uh, follow along. And as Campbell said, if you are in a position and do want to support his uh, you know, journey to the Olympics, then uh, please, th that link will be in there uh, in the show notes as well for his crowdfunding page. Campbell, it's been my absolute pleasure having you on our Pride by Mr. Gay Pride Australia. I wish you all the best. And I know that I'm going to keep following your journey uh, up on Instagram, but I hope that everyone else does as well. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It's been really nice. And thank you. And we will see you all again next time. What an absolutely great chat that was with Campbell. I can't thank him enough for giving up his time in what is going to be a very, very busy journey onto the Paris 2024 Summer Olympic Games. As we said, if you want to follow Campbell's journey, and it is great, we'll have the links to his Instagram in the show notes, as well as if you want to contribute to his Olympic efforts, he does have his fundraising page that you can donate to. And we would encourage you, if you're in a position and you're able to, that would be great to show our Australian athletes and our out-Australian athletes some support for the upcoming Olympics. One of the themes that keeps coming through in these Out Athlete series is that of people living their authentic self are performing better and feeling better. Now, while it is a massive thing to overcome and not trying to force anyone out of the closet, um, that journey has to happen in your own time. That coming out journey has to happen in your own time. But one of the reassuring things that we're seeing is the level of support, particularly from someone's really tight network, and then the way that they're able to flourish being authentically true to themselves is absolutely amazing and is definitely a consideration for anyone that is thinking of coming out uh, as an athlete. 
Well team, that wraps it up for today. That's all we've got time for. Another great episode. Thank you so much for continuing to listen. Thank you for sending our podcast onto people. Uh, If this episode particularly was an episode that you think someone may get something out of, if you're in the sport climbing community uh, or anything that Campbell said um, really resonated with you or you think will resonate with someone else, we'd love it if you could share the podcast. That would be much appreciated. And as always, please leave that five-star rating and a review for us in your podcast player. We would really appreciate that. It helps us get out to many, many more people. We are trying to create a safe space here and discussing some issues that all of us in the LGBTQIA plus community can relate to. Well, team, that wraps wraps up rather another episode. I thought I got through the second episode of this year without too many fumbles, but there you go. Stumbled right at the end there. You have been listening to Our Pride by Mr. Gay Pride Australia.